Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Don't let your eyes glaze over. I, I want to talk about federal spending. I want to talk about the current complexity in Washington regarding infrastructure. The politics of this are really interesting. And if I can properly explain, I think you'll you'll find it of interest as well. I got into a little bit of this yesterday, but I want to go back to the well today with updates. It speaks to a divide within the Democratic Party. And it, it also, uh, I think, frames the following question. This actually would have been a good survey question, but I, I felt obliged to do Afghanistan. Does spending $3.5 trillion, and yes, I know it might be more than that, and yes, I know it may never get fully passed, but work with me here. Does spending $3.5 trillion on so-called soft infrastructure, which would be the largest expanse of the societal safety net in 50 years, does that guarantee that Democrats lose the House of Representatives in the midterm election? Or does it guarantee that Democrats maintain control of the House of Representatives? Or, of course, a third choice would have to be, you know, neither. USA Today this morning, the latest polling data on these two different infrastructure bills. Uh, This is the way they report it. The ambitious and expensive Democratic spending bills being debated on Capitol Hill have a big advantage. Most Americans support them. The $1 trillion infrastructure bill was backed by 63% of Americans in a new USA Today Suffolk University poll. The $3.5 trillion budget plan, the most significant expansion of the social safety net since LBJ, was endorsed by 52%. Said differently, you lose 11%. And it all depends on how you ask this question. I'm shocked that Americans know that there are two different bills. Remember the history here. Mitch McConnell was one of 19 Republicans in the Senate to join all Democrats in the Senate and vote for a $1.2 trillion infrastructure package. This is infrastructure in the traditional sense. Roads, bridges, rails. Now we do add broadband. But that's what we're talking about. You know, think steel. At the same time, there's another piece of legislation. This is credited to Bernie Sanders. The face value is three point five trillion. Some say the real cost cost is is five trillion, not three point five. This is the so-called soft or human infrastructure bill. Think remediation of climate change. Think health care. Think child care. Think community college. No Republican in the Senate is for it. I don't know that any Republican in the House is for it. I highly doubt it. So you say, well, Michael, how could a $3.5 trillion package get passed if no Republicans are for it? Reconciliation is the answer. That budgetary maneuver whereby only a majority of votes is needed, not the 60 votes that are necessary in order to end a filibuster. So for the $3.5 trillion, If all Democrats can stand together, along with Vice President Kamala Harris, they can get the $3.5 trillion deal done. And obviously, likewise, the House of Representatives, all D's would have to remain on the same page. 
the $1.2 trillion package is bipartisan. The $3.5 trillion gets done with Dems only, assuming you've got all Dems. And that's open to question because Senators Manchin, West Virginia, Cinema, Arizona, they've said that, well, yes, we voted to advance it, but we're not necessarily in for the final version. This is you know, subject to a, a John Kerry exception of being for Iraq before against Iraq. Nobody knows what will be in the final version. It's ill-formed. So at, at current, you know, it, it's, it's to promote ongoing conversation. That's actually not the word that they use, but you understand what I'm saying. Okay, so moderate, you, you get so far where we are in very broad strokes. So now come moderate Democrats in the House. The number had been nine. Now it's 10, led by Josh Godheimer, former guest on this program, the so-called Problem Solvers Caucus, uh, I'm sure with the blessing of, of no labels. They say, let's pass the bipartisan bill. Yesterday I read to you from a, an editorial that they had all signed in the Wall Street Journal. Let's, let's pass the bipartisan bill and have President Biden sign it and let's take the win. We got Mitch McConnell and 18 other Republicans in the Senate to agree to a $1.2 trillion, trillion dollar infrastructure package. That number is so big, I'm, I'm tempted always to say a billion with a B, but it's trillion with a T. Let's give Joe Biden the win. But the progressives in the Democratic caucus, the most progressives among them, they say, whoa, 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 not so fast. We know that there's support among the public. And among Republicans for one point two trillion. So we want to tie our three point five trillion dollar wagon to that. We're not on board with the one point two unless you agree to the three point five. After all, the progressives say we've got the White House, we've got the Senate in a tie, but with Kamala. And we've got the House. This is an opportunity. Maybe this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Maybe it's a once in, you know, modern era, whatever that might be, an opportunity to get a lot done on the progressive wish list. Hence, Bernie's leading role of the 3.5. And if history repeats itself, we're going to lose the House next year. So let's do it now. Throw the long ball. This is a unique opportunity. The moon and the stars have lined up. We want the 1.2, but we really want the 3.5. And that is what Nancy Pelosi was dealing with yesterday, herding these cats. So what happened? I think the moderate House D's caved, but you really won't know for sure until it plays itself out. They say otherwise, by the way, they, they they say they say they did not lose, that they've structured this thing in a way that they will ultimately win. But, you know, the moderate D's wanted a vote on the one point two in the House before the three point five. They didn't get that. Instead, there was a three point five vote. The, the broad parameters of the three point five trillion were voted on yesterday in the House. The one point two trillion will have to wait until September. The moderate response is to say, well, yeah, but the 3.5, 
won't even be fleshed out by then. So we're going to get what we want. We're going to have to wait another month for it, but we will pass the $1.2 trillion first. And to all of this, by the way, are you with me so far? Is this working? I have to believe that on the sidelines, you've got Mitch McConnell and company, you know, loving this, delighting in it at the prospect of being able to say, well, we compromised. See all that talk of opposing Biden on everything. That's not true. We're here to make deals. We voted 19 of us for one point two trillion in infrastructure. We supported roads, we supported rails, we supported bridges. But we're not up for the massive expansion of the societal safety net, the Bernie bill, and the D's, they killed the 1.2 trillion. I can just imagine them enjoying the prospect of that playing itself out. Amber Phillips had a really nice summation in the uh, the fix, the five-minute fix, which came out at the end of the day yesterday, quoting now from her. There's been pretty major infighting recently among House Democrats. The divisions among Democrats are troublesome enough that they could derail the rest of President Biden's legislative agenda. The background. Democrats have a chance to send two bills to Biden's desk over the coming weeks. Number one, a bipartisan infrastructure bill to repair the nation's roads, bridges, pipes and broadband. Number two, a partisan spending bill for the next decade that drastically expands government programs and aid for Americans. It was engineered by Congress's most liberal voices, such as Senator Bernie Sanders. Both have already passed the Senate. That was supposed to be the hard part, but the legislation hit an unexpected snag in the Democratic-controlled House. The dilemma? Moderates wanted the bipartisan infrastructure bill to get a vote first. Liberals wanted the big budget plan to get a vote first. Both sides threatened to withhold their votes unless they get what they want. That was more than enough to sink both pieces of legislation since House Democrats can only afford to lose a handful of votes and still pass bills over Republican objections. So what happened? Well, yesterday they reached a ceasefire. This is still Amber Phillips recap. You've already heard mine that will allow the budget process to go forward and infrastructure to get a vote next month. Both sides are temporarily appeased, but there's still lots of wrangling to come. Democrats will spend the next few weeks in the House and Senate turning their budget into an actual detailed spending plan. Then they'll vote on this all over again, send it to Biden to sign into law. And liberals warn they may not vote for the infrastructure bill when it comes to a vote in September. I know it's it's a lot to follow, isn't it? So to the eyes of the editorial page of the, the Wall Street Journal, there's, here's how they see it from right of center. They, they say, essentially, we told you this was all kabuki theater. And the moderates folded. The centrist Democrats had insisted they wouldn't vote for the progressives three point five trillion budget outline until the House first considered the Senate's one trillion dollar infrastructure bill. In the event meaning the Kabuki theater dance yesterday, they settled for a classic political fig leaf. The House voted 220 to 212 for a rule that deems the $3.5 trillion outline passed, which is supposed to be a political victory because it lets the centrists claim they didn't directly vote for the resolution. Oh, my God, I know your head is spinning, right? It's a lot to follow. 
So they go on to say that the centrists are also crowing that Pelosi agreed to a House vote on September by September 27. Yet even this may not be much of a promise since Pelosi didn't secure the support of her left flank. So the progressives may still torpedo what comes up for a vote in September. One more analysis, if I may, because you've heard my summary, you've heard uh, the Amber Phillips summary, you've heard the Wall Street Journal look from the right. Jeff Greenfield, the multi-Emmy award-winning political, uh, what do I want to say, analyst um, and newsman, has a really good piece for Politico today that I linked to in my website at Smirconish.com. It made the newsletter today, and it concerns the politics of all of this. You know, he has his own recap and says Pelosi managed to keep her party from falling apart at a crucial moment, and that's about all. Moderates still can't point to passage of the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Progressives are angry that they've lost leverage to pass a sprawling social spending package. What it really shows, he said, besides her deafness, is just how far Democrats are from a coherent governing force. And this is where I thought he had real insight into the divisions within the Democratic Party. The bipartisan infrastructure bill was one answer, one answer to Democrats being asked in the midterms, what have you gotten done? You know, $1.2 trillion package with some $579 billion of new money to fix roads and bridges and rails and grid and broadband. It would have been a rare or will be a rare example that the president and Democrats could point to and say, we were serious about reaching across the aisle. And Jeff Greenfield points out that that's what the president and congressional leadership chose. This is what they wanted to get done. But at the same time, they set their sights on a much more ambitious, even, says Greenfield, unprecedented multi-trillion dollar plan that would expand Medicare and child care, provide free community college, universal pre-K, and a legion of other initiatives, says Jeff Greenfield. It would move the United States several steps closer to the kind of social safety net common in most of the industrialized world. And it would do so in a political environment unlike anything in the past. And he he points to the fact that in the midst of the pandemic, you know, we've become more accepting of, comfortable with giant spending for the social safety net in a way that we haven't been previously. Quote, for one thing, the pandemic's impact on the economy made once unimaginable spending. Think $1.9 trillion in COVID relief. A rational, widely approved response to joblessness and closed businesses. For another, the pandemic revealed a level of inequality that made the idea of taxing the wealthy at higher rates a broadly popular notion, a notion that fit well with the more populist economic beliefs of a majority of congressional Democrats. The same $3.5 trillion goal that centrists see as politically unappealing in their districts is seen by most in the caucus as their best chance to stay in the majority. That's the issue. In other words, being contemplated now in Washington is legislation that makes us much more aligned 
with the European Union. As, as Greenfield said, that fits well with the most uh, populist beliefs of a majority of congressional Democrats and places the United States several steps closer to the kind of social safety net common in most of the industrialized world. Has the experience, this is me speaking, not Greenfield, has the experience of the pandemic, us now being used to spending $1.9 trillion on COVID relief without much of a conversation in this country about debt and deficit, or deficit and then long-term debt, have we now undergone some profound change where we are more comfortable with this level of spending? I've had a number of discussions on the program here recently, and Andrew Yang certainly made a part of the most recent presidential campaign, the, the whole national conversation about a basic income or guaranteed income. Are we now at a stage where those are popular notions in the nation? And if so, then I imagine the $3.5 trillion package, if they get it done, maybe is the best chance for Democrats to hold on to both the House and the Senate. Or conversely, Conversely, next year, does this come back if they move forward with it to guarantee that Republicans take control of the House of Representatives? I mean, that's really the issue. It would have been a good survey question, but I I felt the need to go in, in an Afghanistan direction. Does the contemplation of, does the passage of spending of the likes now being contemplated in Washington help or hurt the D's, help or hurt? The R's. Greenfield finishes by saying this. For Biden, Pelosi, and Schumer, there remains one pesky problem in embracing a massive budget reconciliation package. They do not yet have the votes for anything like a $3.5 trillion bill. I'll step out of this and say, wait a minute, Michael, you just told us it already passed the Senate. No, it, it a preliminary version passed the Senate, and Manchin and Cinema said, we're not sure if we're in for the long haul. Back to Greenfield. We don't know what price tag Manchin, Cinema, Josh Gottheimer, and other centrist Democrats will find acceptable. We don't know if House progressives will doom the infrastructure bill. If the final Senate figure on the reconciliation package is unsatisfactory, we don't know if a, sil- a sliver of moderates will indeed tank the social safety net bill once infrastructure passes in the belief that they cannot win in their districts if the cost is too high. But give the Democrats credit on one front. If passing these bills was an Olympic event, it would come with the highest degree of difficulty rating in history. That's the summary. Help me unwind the politics of spending this kind of money. Is it a guarantee that Democrats would lose control of the House? Oh, my God, they went along with the Bernie bill. Look what they spent on. Under the guise of infrastructure, free community college, health care expansion, so much more jobless benefit expansion, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, child care, Medicare, Or is this what people are ready for? You know what? Give us what they have in Europe, because the experience of the pandemic and the spending that kept businesses afloat and enhanced unemployment benefits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We're getting accustomed to this and we like it. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds.